Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Uh, the cricket, the Border Gavaskar series begins tomorrow afternoon, late afternoon, our time, uh, two thirty p.m. local time, Australian, well, two thirty p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, I should say, is when the broadcast coverage starts. With three p.m. the first ball uh, of the uh, of the day, and uh, leading the coverage out there in India, along with a great call team, uh, is Adam Collins. And uh, Adam, as I welcome you in, it sounds like it's uh, there's a bit of chaos happening at Nagpur. What's going on? <laughs> Bash and crash. First of all, I want to say I was there when Dunstall kicked 17 in uh, round 7, 1992, and he could have kicked at 18th as well to draw level, yes. if not for giving off a goal in, in the last five minutes. Uh, it's worth noting for the record. That could have been levelled a <laughs> long time ago, though. Uh, yeah, uh, we're replacing our commentary box right now because the roof next door, it fell in, and as did a bunch of rat poo. Um, so, um, uh, rat dropping. So, we've had to... Um, uh, had to uh, debunk from there, move along the corridor, uh, and I think these commentary boxes went in in 2008. I think we're the first people to walk into them since 2008. So it's a bit rough and ready, uh, <laughs> but the show will get on the road. And as you say, the first ball, half past three local time tomorrow. Well, not local time, your time tomorrow. What's um, oh, luck, lucky you got to the ground the day before? What happens if you <laughs> walked in yesterday, uh, tomorrow? It's a good point. We, we flew into Mumbai at midnight last night and we're a little bit late over, as you are, um, with these things. So, yeah, we did get in around lunchtime and a lot of the spade work was done by Bharat Sundaraisen yesterday. He got in a few days ago. He's part of our call team, as ever. But, yes, it, seemingly, uh, upon my arrival, uh, the, the wheels started to fall off. So there's quite a bit of work to do this afternoon. Uh, but our colleagues here from uh, television are, are helping us at the moment and I'm sure it'll be all right on the night. Excellent, excellent. Well, it might not be uh, within our... Our home summer, but uh, certainly le- after uh, after a less let's say less than competitive uh, summer between the West Indies and South Africa, how amped up is uh, is this cricket team, the Aussies, and and just cricket people, fans, broadcasters like yourself in general to see uh, this series between Australia and India? Yeah, this is big time stuff, right? You go back twenty five years, and I, I don't think it was like Australia played one Test match at Delhi in 1996 and that was it they didn't play at all between 86 and 96 and of course we all remember what happened in 2001 and that changed the border gavaskar trophy forever in terms of how much interest there is in both countries pat cummins steve smith david warner all during the week said that this is as big if not bigger than the ashes as far as they're concerned winning in india of course in the steve war era it was known as the final frontier because australia could never win here Uh, they did that in 2004 but since winning in 04, and it was at Nagpur, not at this particular ground, but the ground down the road where they used to play test matches, where Australia secured that series under the captaincy of Adam Gilchrist. But since then in India, they've won one test out of the next 15. So that gives some sense of the degree of difficulty coming over here, even if the Australians under Pat Cummins are, are ranked comfortably number one in the world. The talk of the last uh, 24 hours or so is the um, what's happening with the pitches out there. So Bharat Sundarason's tweet mm. showing uh, the rollers <laughs> out there and the uh, and the watering of the pitch. Outline what they're actually doing, uh, India, and and why and how significant this could be for the shape of this Test match. 
Yeah, Brat got lucky. Everyone went home. All the press. Here's the behind-the-scenes story. Everyone went home on the press bus, and Brat stayed to continue working on the commentary box. So he got a, a view of the covers coming off and, and the work that was done with the watering. And, look, face value, um, they haven't watered the pitch outside the off-stump for the left-handers. And the conspiracy theory, if you like, is that Australia come with a top seven that could have up to five left-handers. It probably won't, but could have five left-handers, and that'll suit Ashwin and Jadeja down to the ground, Akshar Patel as well, who bowled so well against England at home a couple of years ago. So, um, look, it is an unusual, though, to see pitches. I want to make it clear that uh, Indian pitch preparation is different to Australia. It's, a, it's more an art than a science. There are so many people with their hands all over the pitch in the days before it, and trying to predict what a surface will do is a bit of a fool's errand. I got into trouble uh, in Ranchi back in 17 when I saw the pitch two days out. It looked like a mud heap, looked like it was going to be over in two days. It ended up being a five-day draw. So I'm always mindful of getting too ahead of myself when projecting what might happen in a test match that doesn't start for another 20 hours. But... I was also there at Pune in 2017 when it was over in two and a half days uh, on a surface that ragged from the first moment. So on balance, I think that it's likely to be a raging turner because why wouldn't India prepare a raging turner for the Australians when it's been so successful for them as a strategy over the years? Uh, look, you, you, there'll be debate about the, uh, about the merits in that, but you know, it, it's the prerogative of the home board to prepare the pitch how they see fit. That's what it comes down to. Do you think this Australian team is well-equipped well to play now in India in these conditions? Well, look, I think the, the series they played last year in Pakistan and Sri Lanka helps to an extent temperamentally, like having to like really guts it out over a long stretch of time. That Pakistan series that we did for SEN uh, last March, that was all about trying to survive and all about almost boring the opposition down. It doesn't quite play out the same way typically in India. Test matches speed up and you need to pick your moment when you need to put the foot down. And then that was a bit more like the experience in Sri Lanka where the first test was over in two and a half days. So in terms of build-up, having played twice in the subcontinent in 2022 in, in test matches and very competitive test matches in, in Pakistan, and of course Sri Lanka won the second test there in Gaul, um, that is the right kind of build-up. But... Um, I expect that the surface here and the surfaces they'll have throughout the next month uh, will be even more sporting than what they saw at Gaul and that first test was, you know, over in two and a bit days. You talk about the records that Australia has uh, in this series and, and having not won the series since 2014-15 and not won in India the series uh, since 0405. Does does the, the, the weight of history sit on this squad? Yeah, look, it does. Uh, but the other way of looking at it is it's a, I wouldn't say it's a free hit, but no one expects Australia to come here and win. Whereas I think a generation ago, they did because it was the Australian side that rattled off, what was it, 16 wins in a row before losing at Calcutta, the VVS Lakshman Rahul Dravid miracle uh, there in the second test match that turned the series and, again, as I mentioned off the top, probably changed the complexion of this series in the 23 years, 22 years that, that have followed. So, um, yeah, there is, there is a sense that India go in raging hot favourites because they've done so well against all comers here. I think India haven't lost a home series for a decade. They've lost, I think, three test matches in, in the last 10 years at home. So it is a, you know, you talk about weight of, uh, weight of history. It's more about India being borderline unbeatable at home. Uh, but the other side of it is the Australian side uh, under Pat Cummins. Look, a, a really organised group. They had a very impressive home summer, albeit against underwhelming opposition. They did beat Pakistan 
at home last year in, in conditions which will have some similarities to what we'll see here in the next month, certainly as far as what I mentioned before about the patience game. So, yeah, I, I, I know they believe they can win this, and I suppose that that's a little bit different to how it felt maybe in 2017 or, or 2013 when they rocked up and they felt like rank outsiders. They, they don't feel like major outsiders here. They feel like a side that, if it all goes right, um, they, they could do really well over here. And, and India as well, they, they've experienced a degree of discombobulation since they beat Australia at the Gabba to win that series, what was it, uh, nearly two years ago now, a little bit over two years. Yeah. They've used 21 players in their last eight test matches. They've had four captains in the last year, so um, due to injury and Coley um, giving up the job after they lost the series in South Africa this time last year. So the Indian side, I wouldn't say, are as stable or as strong as they were um, the last time these sides were up against each other over here. Well, on the Australian team, what do they go with tomorrow? And maybe what's going to be the, the general template for what they use for this series in terms of uh, squad makeup, batting position and, and bowling uh, mm. lineup composition? The injuries have played a big role in this. So if Stark and Hazelwood and Green were all fit, they'd all be playing. At the very least, Stark and Green and Hazelwood's probably the third seamer in the pecking order in this part of the world after Cummins and Stark. But um, with Stark not arriving until after the first test with his finger issue and, and Green ruled out with a, with a finger issue as well. Well, not ruled out technically, but we've been told by Pat Cummins today he's no chance of playing. Uh, and Josh Hazelwood with the Achilles injury. That, that does provide pause for thought, I think, for the selectors. That means that they'll need to go in with a number six that's either Matt Renshaw, who's not played a test match since 2018 at Johannesburg, or Pete Hanscom, who hasn't played for four summers and is, in a way, a bit of a bolter in as far as he was a long way from national selection 12 months ago, but started the Shield season so well for Victoria that, he, that he's banged the door down and got himself back into the Australian squad. Hanscom played a marvellous innings at Ranchi to save a test match in India five years ago, batting with Sean Marsh. I'm sure that'll be something they remember. And, and I asked Pat Cummins at his press conference today whether the left-hand, right-hand thing might be part of his thinking as far as... Uh, Renshaw being a lefty against Ashwin where they've left the pitch bare on that side of the strip a and he acknowledged that, that it would, uh, that the pitch preparation and Ashwin would factor into their thinking and, and that might be enough to get Hanscom the nod as number six. As for the bowling side of things, it feels pretty certain that it'll be Cummins with Boland, Scott Boland playing his first test match away from home, having been in the squad in Pakistan and Sri Lanka last year. As for the spinners, Nathan Lyon picks himself. Second tweaker, we thought all along it was going to be Ashton Agar, but um, I've seen reports, not confirmed, but seen them online, that, that, that young Todd Murphy's dad's on his way to India. Now, make of that what you will, but um, he could be the bolter. The 21-year-old, I think, Todd Murphy is now, who um, has been very impressive for Victoria in the Shield this year. Went to Sri Lanka last year as part of the A squad. Um, has a great record against right-handers. And India's side will probably have nine or even ten right-handers in it. So, um, yeah, you can see a, a case for them wanting to use Murphy alongside Lyon, which would be you know, a bit of a surprise given he was almost unheard of a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Australia clearly then having to dip into their into their squad depth uh, for this series. Todd Murphy, yeah, it is... He, Feels like he's just sort of come out of the ground from nowhere. It was from what Big Bash to mm. Shield cricket, and now in the Australian Test setup. I mean, this is a pretty quick rise for the young spinner. Yeah, so he, he I think until a year ago, he'd played only one first-class game. That was a couple of years ago. But he got on a roll at the start of the year, which included uh, a really strong performance for the PM's eleven against the West Indies in a in a four-day game up in Canberra, uh, and then he bowled out New South Wales. I think that is probably what weighs most heavily on the selectors' minds with with stuff like this. It's, you know, can you bowl out high-quality opposition? And he did. And he took seven wickets 
in Victoria's most recent Shield game, four in the second dig, you know, picked up Moses Henriquez a couple of times, for example, Curtis Patterson a couple of times as well, both men, of course, having played Test cricket. And, and you know, if, if you can get those other um, senior players out in Shield cricket, it's a pretty good sign that you've got the skills that can translate to playing for Australia at the top level. So, yeah, whilst it might look a little bit odd picking a guy with seven first-class games under his belt, um, that's exactly what they did with Nathan Lyon back in 2011, and, and look where he is 12 years later. David Warner's overseas form opening the batting has always been heavily scrutinised. Uh, 24, he averages with the bat in India. He's only made three 50s in 16 innings over there. Uh, what does this series now represent for David Warner after the summer he had, which was less than ideal up until he, he made his century? Um, what does this uh, Border Gavaskar trophy now represent for David Warner at this stage of his career? Yeah, I guess it's the start of a farewell lap in a way. Not that he'll be thinking of it as sort of a, uh, uh, taking the applause of uh, the opposing fans, but like he's been pretty clear that he'll finish up as a test player towards the end of this year. So there's four test matches in India. In all probability, the World Test Championship final in June, followed by an away Ashes. And in Warner's long career... They've never won in England. They did draw there in 19, but they've never won there. And, of course, they haven't won here since 2004, well before he made his debut. And they didn't even make the World Test Championship final the last time around, the only time that was played for. So there's quite a bit there for him. Um, Pat Cummins called it era-defining. Well, for those more senior players, David Warner now well and truly into the second half of his 30s and nearing the end, it probably represents a great opportunity to go out on the perfect note. If he can get it right overseas, which... As you point out, statistically, it has not been easy for him over the years. He's made, um, yeah, one half century in India, and that was in the final test in Dharamshala in, in 2017. And we all know what happened to him in England back in um, 2019 when he ran into Stuart Broad and only made, I think it was 90 runs for the whole series. So, yeah, it, it'll be for him, uh, having earned the chance to tour, having made that double turn at the MCG, he'll see it as a great chance to play in conditions that he's very familiar with here in India having been here since the inception of the IPL. Different form of the game, but he knows India like the back of his hand. So, yeah, great opportunity to, to finish it on a right note. And what are we expecting from, from India and, um, and, and some of their players? I guess that top order probably looks a bit more settled than the rest of the team, which we don't know what it looks like going into tomorrow. But if you've got Rohit, Kale Rahul, Pujara, Kohli's probably your top four. And then after that, is it just... I guess, is it, is it whoever's fit? Because there's a few injuries in that team. Yes. Well, top four lock and load, as you say, that the captain and the vice-captain, Rohit Sharma and K.L. Rahul. And K.L. Rahul's struggling for form, by the way, but he'll keep his spot. Then Pajara, who's been a mainstay against Australia for a decade at three, and Coley, of course, at four. Five probably would have been Shreya Sire, but he's got a back injury. He's out of the squad at the moment which gives an opportunity for Shubham Gill. We remember Shubham Gill, of course, yeah. uh, dominating Australia at the Gabba in that final test in 2021, making a brisk 91 to make that chase on the final day possible. Um, he spent some time out of the side. He's been making bulk runs in one-day cricket over the last 12 months, and he's back in the squad. Then six and seven, in all probability, they'll, they'll have the wicketkeeper followed by the start of the all-rounders. So... Um, they're yet to really land where they'll go with, with as a keeper. Ishan Kishan is mostly known for white ball cricket, could make his test debut. Um, uh, they've got Bharat as their other option as a wicket keeper who also hasn't made his test debut. They'll probably bat the keeper at six. Judasia at seven, he made two test centuries in 2022. What a talent he's been. Always steps up against Australia too. Uh, you've got Ashwin batting at eight. Again, he's always been a thorn in the side of the Australians. They'll play a couple of quicks. And then Akshar Patel, who... Um, who dominated against England a couple of years ago, he, he's likely to bat at nine, which gives a sense of just how deep they are because, um, looking in the IPL, he bats inside the top six. So you've got 
a pretty strong uh, list down to number nine, followed by the two Muhammads, Muhammad Shami and Muhammad Siraj will take the new ball. Adam, before I let you go, where is the uh, where's the crucial battle now in this in this uh, head to head? So where's where's the where are the matches going to be won and lost? Do you think? I think a lot. Well, sides shouldn't struggle to take twenty wickets. It might become a race, especially if conditions suit. Now, Nathan Lyon, who has improved uh, in this part of the world throughout his career, he's taught, he's spoken at length about. His struggles early on in his career bowling in Asia, especially Sri Lanka, weirdly. Um, but he found a way to, as he described it in Bangladesh a few years ago, bowl ugly. And that served him so well in Pakistan in the final test last year at Lahore when he bowled out the Pakistanis on the final day to, to clinch the series. So, And Lyon also took a, a bag of six to start the series against Sri Lanka at Gaul uh, back in July last year. So he, he comes in as a confident bowler now in these conditions, whereas perhaps last time in 2017, at least at the start of the series, he was playing second fiddle to Steve O'Keefe. Uh, remember, of course, that O'Keefe came in and took 12 for 70 in that win at Pune to start the series, 6 for 35 in both innings. Remarkable um, how well he bowled that week in Pune, but Lyon was playing second fiddle. Different story now. So I think uh, there'll be so much responsibility uh, on his shoulders or so much, not pressure, but there'll be so much... Um, invested in him taking bulk wickets. And if he can, especially against adversaries he knows so well, he's taken 94 test wickets against India um, across his long career. So if he can get on top early, uh, that, that I think will, will define how Australia go with the ball. Adam, thank you very much for, uh, for jumping on and, uh, and uh, working your way through all the circumstances out there with those uh, rat crap infested boxes. But uh, <laughs> you've done well and uh, I'm, I'm, sure you'll, uh, I'm sure you and the team will put together an amazing broadcast and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Since you've been on the line to me, we've had our TV feed put in. I can see some more activity at the back of the box with our stump mics and all the rest of it. So, as I said at the start, it'll be all good to go tomorrow. We'll have Ravi Shastri, Mike Kasperwitz, uh, Bharat Sundarese, Nikesh Raghani, Pete Lawler, all with me. Excellent stuff. Thank you, Adam. A pleasure. Adam Collins with us here on uh, the Sporting Capital and he'll be with you throughout the next uh, five or so weeks from uh, starting tomorrow all the way through until about mid-March uh, through the four test matches in India with the SEN Cricket Call team out there for the Border Gavaskar Series. And it all starts tomorrow in the afternoon around 2.30 uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. The coverage begins.